You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And he began to speak. He said, son, I've made a life out of reading people's faces and knowing what the cards were by the way they held their eyes. So if you don't mind my saying, I can see you're out of aces for a taste of your whiskey. I'll give you some advice. So I handed him Hey, everybody. Welcome to Reporting is Eligible. I'm Paul Newton, and I sound like garbage. Um... It is the day of the trade deadline. Uh, we just lost to the Bills, um, not really badly, but you know we'll get we'll talk about that. But before we get into that, really quick, uh, if you are a patron uh, right now, thank you, and I will be contacting and shipping six of you uh, some coffee from Appleton Coffee Company. So appreciate that. Um, they sent me some samples, and uh, those will be going out soon. So you guys, might, somebody, you might get an email or a DM on Patreon from me. It's not a scam. It's actually me, <laughs> and uh, if you don't like coffee, you can pass, and I'll pick somebody else. So that's it. Um, so that's enough Patreon talk. Um, before we get to the game, we had we had the deadline today, and uh, we all we all pulled a Linus and went to the pumpkin patch, hoping to see the great pumpkin for the eight millionth time in a row. And for the eight millionth time in a row, nothing happened. Um, so, cheers to all of us for that again. And uh, uh, while well, we didn't do anything, everyone else did. Uh, so it was kind of the worst of all worlds trade deadline. Good, good times abound. Uh, the Bears traded a second round pick for Chase Claypool, uh, who is not that good. I'm okay with that. And the Vikings and Lions made an inter an interdivisional trade for T.J. Hawkinson. So g- good times all about. Um, I don't know. Did anybody? Did either? I suppose I should do intro, shouldn't I? Nobody even knows who I'm talking to. Uh, okay, first Urban Wauwatosa. Hey, it's J.R. Radcliffe, training sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. My voice does not sound like I've been yelling at the Twitter screen all day, waiting for that Packers transaction to come through. <laughs> uh, and it just uh, just not happening uh, for the, like you said, the 15th year in a row. They're not going to draft a receiver in the first round. They're not going to trade for a receiver. It's just not going to happen. Nope. We just, we, we, we always expect different, and that's just a, a lesson for life. Don't. The Packers will, <laughs> Packers will be the Packers. Uh Time is a flat circle. This has all happened before, and this will happen again. I don't know any other, tr- um, and and also in Colorado, not in Kansahoma. We have. Uh, I'm Tyler Brooke, and I wrote a book. <laughs> you, <laughs> you are not. I'm not Tyler Brooke. I'm Matt, but you can call me Matub, Acme Packing Company Meme Weaver, General Twitter Rabble Rouser, and father to two very loud children. Ah, well, me too. So, uh, me too. Halloween, man. We all have that in common. Uh, yes, extra, probably extra loud tonight if they're anything like mine. Uh, well, RSV broke out at uh, my kids' daycare. Oh, fun. So, okay. Yeah, so we're listening listening to the cough very close. Maybe that's what I have. Who knows? We'll find out. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> this is the last episode of Reporting yeah, Intelligence. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed the show. 
<laughs> uh, all right. Is anybody disappointed by the Packers not actually doing anything? Um, Incredibly. Yeah, really? I mean, the the thing that I love is is the in-the-mix narrative. <laughs> I do hate that, too. Okay, I am disappointed by that. I wish we weren't I... in the mix. I hate being in the mix. <laughs> Sorry, my son was just saying that night to me. Uh... <laughs> No, the Packers have no choice but to ride with Aaron Rodgers, right? Like the way the salary cap situation is, you know, there. The, I know there are probably some people who thought they should just dump everybody and start over, but it, but it wouldn't benefit them. So, like, they're in this place where really the only thing they can do is to move forward and try to make the playoffs. Like, that's I, I know, I, I know, it's like playoffs. Everyone playoffs. can tell that this just, is not a I just playoff. Want to win a game. Everyone knows this team is not that caliber right now but remember there are seven teams in the in the conference that make the playoffs nine and eight teams make it to the playoffs the chicago bears once made it to the playoffs with a nine and eight record now that we are in the 17 game era it's possible so the only way forward is to just like try with what you've got it doesn't do you any good to go backward there's no cost benefit there's no benefit to trying to get a, a you know like a fifth round draft pick for aaron jones like that it, it doesn't it doesn't work out for you I think so, you could, with the trades that were stupid today, they could have probably got a first and change for Jones. They maybe I, could have, maybe. but I, I just don't believe that there are teams that stupid. Yeah, the, the, thing with jo- the, the thing with Jones is he's expensive. And, like, a bunch of people were comparing the Claypool and, and Cooper trades today, and, you know, expensive is a big deal. That's why they're different. That's why one was a fifth and one was a second. And Jones is just expensive next year like it's it's tricky to you know you you either have him for this year and cut him or you pay him a gazillion dollars next year that really reduces his value a ton i don't really think they could have gotten a lot for him Um, that's the big problem here fair enough (laughs) i keep i always forget about like the exploding cap number on the last year of hacker deals it's rough i mean the the big argument for not selling is that everybody has that kind of deal um or is still a valuable part of the team that is cost controlled so like you could move like stokes who is not expensive but he also might still be good and you're selling low at this point on him yeah because so the uh the thing that the acme packing company slack chat was obsessed with today was trading darnell savage yeah Trying, trying um, just to get rid of Darnell Savage's fifth-year option, which because his fifth-year option is like eight million, all guaranteed. Yeah, not on the hook for it, even though he's bad. So that would have been good, but it didn't happen. So we're stuck with Darnell Savage. But they, and they also don't have like they don't have safeties, you know, just coming out of their ears. I know they could probably make it work. They could move to result result Douglas to safety. I guess I don't know, but. Uh, as bad as Savage has been, and he has been. I'm pretty sure Razul Douglas with a broken hand would be a better tackler than Darnell Savage. He just uh, Martin Charles at safety. I have no. I mean, I have no idea if that, could, that would work, but like, there has to be something that they could have done. Yeah, I did. I did that on my Madden team early in the year because I didn't have enough safeties. I literally pushed Martin Charles as <laughs> <free> safety. <laughs> Look at me yeah. playing right into your Madden hands. Fantastic. Yeah, you know what though? I I. I'm done. This this year is awful. Wow. This is wow, big. that's crazy. Really? I yeah, never thought this of the day. This is the single worst year of Madden uh, maybe ever. That's insane. That's, okay. Well, especially for PC because I, I keep saying this, but they did not update the engine since Madden 18 because they, they want it to be able to run on the weakest of computers to expand the possible player base. Um, so we don't get next gen. So it's like the PS4 version. Okay. 
So um, Madden broke my tub. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's why I moved on to that terrible VR game. I'm like, <laughs> stop playing that piece of crap. Through. On to Tecmo Super Bowl. Uh, actually, Legacy Bowl. Highly recommend Legacy Bowl. Also, that Bowl. Legacy Bowl is good. That is like, true. You play that. <laughs> but, Jerry, you're fundamentally correct. They need they need to try and make the playoffs because they don't have another option. So, um, unfortunately, it's going to be really hard. Um, the 538 simulation has them as just a 17% likely to make the playoffs at this point. And uh, it's the NFC is stupid. Oh, the entire NFC East has good records, even though they're all bad teams. Uh, the Eagles are good, but the other ones are. And everybody holds tiebreakers over the Packers, and their only hope is really the 49ers at this point, which is something, but like it's not not a ton. It's not great. It's uh, it's going to be really really hard uh, to actually catch anybody. First of all, they got to win a game, but it's it's just brutal. Um, it, like they, this is an elimination game. The next two games are elimination games because if they lose to the Lions, they're just toast. And if they lose to the Cowboys, who are actually good, then they'll like be losing every single tiebreaker to every contender in the entire division. Like, and they'll be in the Brewer situation where they got down the tiebreaker to the Padres and the Phillies like right away, and with no opportunity to make up for it, and ended up costing them. I I am surprised that my colleague uh, Tom Silverstein reporting that that the Packers also offered a second round pick for Chase Claypool. Uh, and that they <laughs> hilariously, the uh, the Steelers took the Bears offer because they anticipated that the Bears would have the higher draft pick. They uh, basically trolling the Bears and like, sure, you can have him. You, we think you're going to be worse than the Packers, which actually still Spoon's, isn't super unfair. Spoon's exact word was considerably. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. That nice. is somebody that is a franchise who understands the uh, the specter of Aaron Rodgers because this team has not not looked necessarily markedly better than the Bears. But I am surprised that the Packers would be willing to go that high. You know, Claypool was a second round pick. So like. That's that's a lot getting a lot back from a, from an asset that you are to assume is a little distressed if the pit pirate if, 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 Steelers want to get rid of him and uh, and the and the Packers never go that high for for a trade or for really any transaction whatsoever. So that really uh, that really kind of blows my mind. And I, is Chase Claypool even a fit in Green Bay? Yes. Chase Claypool would just do the Lazard thing. You think so? Yes. All right. Chase Claypool is a is a. Uh, gigantic human being. Well, he is that, yes. And very who might fast. be, I believe, by Raz, he's like the fifth most athletic wide receiver of all time. Yeah, that's something, something like that. He's a 10, but uh-uh. he's he's always struggled like with the actual receiver game quite a bit. Sure. Uh, his low catch percentage, he's not as dynamic as his profile should suggest. Like, he's not a burner down the field and never really has been. It's, 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 I don't well, like that's those the thing guys. Is, they bug what's me. funny is with his freakish Raz, the worst thing about him is his 40. He yeah. runs like a he runs like a four four five or something like he's not but a he's crazy like, burner yeah but he's a giant heavy guy so it's like speed yeah. score spark wise he's still really really good like off the charts but mm-hmm. he he like never he, I don't think he's averaged ever more than like fourteen yards of reception for a guy uh, nine nine right this year he's nine but he's oh I thought it was total no way <laughs> <laughs> all right I, I I could be misreading this but uh, I, my favorite thing about this is spoon. Uh, seven hours ago is like yeah there's no way the Packers would ever do that and then four hours later is like oh the Packers tried to do that (laughs) but but it it really does surprise me and then you know he's the only real receiver who changed teams uh Calvin Ridley moved of course from Atlanta but he's suspended for the entire season because he bet on football so um so what if the idea that the Packers could just could just like make a receiver appear out of thin air is not very good could we start calling Calvin Ridley like Kenny Rogers 
Because he's the gambler. Because uh, sure. he's the gambler. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't know when to walk away, and he no. certainly <laughs> didn't know when to run. Absolutely not. 9.7 this year. 14.6 is career high, by the way. That's uh, Chase Claypool. So he doesn't hit your magic deep threat metric? Not he, He's like not as good as he should be at it, and he doesn't catch that high percentage of passes. Okay, but... In Notre Dame, his... he was also not, he was always disappointing there as well. I was going to say to his credit, he's had uh, old man Roethlisberger. Yep, bad quarterbacks for sure. Yeah, who else? Landon, uh, Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph. Yeah, I was like, what the? Some like like ultra white guy name. <laughs> like... I do think, even though I say I think it's surprising. You know, I don't know how valuable the Packers' second-round pick next year is. If this is as bad as we think it is and they're on the precipice of a three-year rebuild, you know, the, the next year's second-round pick might be – they might already have to be making a decision about the guy's fifth-year player option before this is a good Packers team again. So in that sense, I guess I can understand why they'd be willing to go that high because, true. again, the only way forward is to try to get to the playoffs. That is true. The other problem with Claypool is, is he is a contested catch guy. And Aaron doesn't throw to those guys. Like no, Teddy right. Galladay is kind of similar. That he's always covered. Um, you can, if you throw the ball high and outside to him, he'll bring it in. But it's always a risky throw, and Aaron doesn't see those when they happen. So that's the other problem. If the Judy rumors were true, like he's a good, he's a good Rodgers fit. Now they probably weren't because Jerry Judy is worth giving up a lot for. He's still under team control for a long time. And you'd have to, I think, pry him out of there. But all of his like metrics on route running are excellent. He is very Devontae-like in, in always sort of being open off the line. And uh, that would have been a really, really good fit, but it did not happen. <laughs> so I got I got bad news as a Broncos watcher. Oh, yeah? Um, Nathaniel Hackett finally realized that Jerry Judy exists <laughs> and is now making him the straw that stirs the drink instead of Cortland Sutton. Ah. Cortland Sutton. So uh, there was no chance that they were going to get rid of him. Got it. All right. He's he's their Devontae now. Man, the Packers suck. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> uh, I don't really mean that. There are uh there's some bright glimmers of optimism from the bubble. What's the what what's the worst Packers team to make the playoffs in the Rodgers era? Well, at twenty thirteen, even though I love that season. That's a that's that's a team obviously without Rogers that for most of that year that that was the eight seven and one year. eight seven yeah. and one that's... they got into the playoffs because God wanted it and <laughs> only because of that because but it was still that, that team actually fared well with Rogers back you know like San Francisco came into Lambo and beat them but it was it was a field goal at the end like that was as well as you could have expected that team to play against a much better 49ers team so See, I'm, I'm thinking the Packers team that lost to the twenty eight to three Falcons. That was a boat race. The Ladarius Gunter game. Yeah, the Ladarius Gunter. Yeah, game. their was secondary 20, got 2016. Really, their secondary. Yeah, that's, was just they, a mess. that's 2016. They beat the top seed Dallas to get there. I mean, that was a oh, that was the Cook game, right? Nice yeah. playoff run. Yes, that was the Cook game. That was pretty good. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't think 2016 was was. Well, I don't know. That 2016 team is the run the table year. So yes. they're start four and six. Very. You know, obviously, it's easy to make that comparison with this year. Yeah. <sighs> I, I I'm not I don't remember quite how positioned they were to run the table. They um, <laughs> they uh, everyone counted them out. Everyone, yeah, like because the hardest part of their schedule was coming up. Uh, but the difference being is they learned how to play football magically after Pierre Garçon tore a cheesehead in half. Let's do it again because <laughs> this team has the hardest part of their schedule 
not necessarily coming up, but like there's there's no teams they should beat anymore in the in in the NFL except for probably Detroit still. Yeah, um, they should be Detroit. <laughs> we said I can't wait to get to that part of the rundown. Yeah. Yeah. All right, all right. So as far as scenarios go, like you like you already mentioned, they have to be Detroit because Jesus, and they have to be Dallas to to keep their head above water a little bit in the wild card stuff you got to have some wins against quality teams or it's it's not gonna work out for you the entire nfc east is is formidable at this point did you want to say anything else about these tiebreakers paul not really just that if they don't win either or if they don't win both they're, they're pretty dead that's pretty much it all right and uh and then to get into the bills game specifically i mean they they showed okay but like josh allen was awful which which really blew my mind those two really terrible interceptions he only completes 13 passes he he throws two interceptions barely over 50 percent completion rate the packers end up with more first downs they're better at converting in third down they outscore them in the second half pressure the quarterback like it, it honestly like as you look, you almost get to a point where the only thing that's telling you that the Packers should have lost the game is that the Buffalo Bills are just a much better football team. But like ah, on paper, they actually uh, probably should have done better. Even the Green Bay Packers. Well, the um, my favorite statistic from that was this is the first game in the Lafleur era they've lost while winning the turnover battle. Oh wow, that's cr- that's actually crazy. I yeah, they were like that. twenty and zero in games that they win the tur- the turnover differential. Um, I now hate. I hate this game because uh, I feel like the Packers sort of played a perfect Packer game, a perfect LaFleur game, aside from that stupid interception that wiped out the other interception. Like, they yeah. ran the ball at will. They had they were super efficient running it. They grounded out on the ground. Um, they played really good pass defense against a good quarterback who didn't do very well. They even, in the second half, hit a few big plays down the field. And they still weren't even competitive. If you look at the win percentage chart for this game, it's just all on the Bills for the whole game. Like, the, yeah, the it was Bills. never even in the ballpark of winning this game. Never close. The Bills started at 75% and never got any worse. Yep. <laughs> and, and so, like, if the Packers aren't going to win games like this game, how are they ever going to beat anybody that's halfway decent? It, it just, it's like they're playing a different sport. It, um, I think it was Timo Riske of PFF today had, had a chart of just how teams convert first downs. And all of the good teams basically convert first downs most frequently on first down. And the Packers, like 27% of the time, and the Packers are like 18% and one of the worst teams in the league. And part of that's all the running that they do because Aaron Jones is good. But, like, um, it, they're just so much less dynamic than everybody else. They have, you know, they can march down the field for for a 16-play drive and maybe get points. And then you know, some stupid-ass, like, Bears team can come and just hit a random bomb that's the same level of value and, like, with no precision or anything. And that's the battle they're always facing. Um, this is just, like, the quintessential version of it. Uh, and uh, so I, I'm annoyed by this game. Like there were glimmers of hope. They were better in a lot of ways, but like they still weren't close. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to do with that. Like they need to change and, how they play the, football. <laughs> the amount of people that were like, oh, the the Tunyon touchdown and the and the this and the that. And, and it would have been a more competitive game. And it's like, no, it was never competitive. The yeah. Bills just stopped playing football at halftime. They really did. And uh, you even see that in the the, the Bills coverage is sort of like okay well yeah they they've totally allowed the Packers to run all over them but seems like they kind of felt like it was in hand where are you guys at with Bob Tanyan because Tanyan Bob Tanyan what are we calling him big Bob, big Bob. large yeah. Robert yeah that works. uh his he he is the one who 
drop, you know, allows for that interception essentially. And yes, there's that OPI call that I know a lot of people were fixated on. And yes, he caught a touchdown. Yeah. But man, he looks so slow out there. It just uh, they they need they need more out of their they need more tight end production. Really, I mean, if 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 everything else is going to fail, they got to get something out of that. Yeah, I'm not sure they're getting it. They should do more with Deguera. He's not that kind Absolutely. of guy. He's not a downfield guy, but like he's he looks fast and dynamic, and you can do stuff with that. And you're right, Bobby. Bobby looks quite slow, um, and he's he is second on the team in targets now uh, to, right, Ro- to Romeo. He is, he is 42. Um, on the plus side, his catch percentage is back up to almost elite levels, and he can be productive doing that. But like, he's averaging running back level of production per catch. Like, this is not good. He's uh, JR is absolutely right. If this is supposed to be an offense where the tight end is super important, they never have a good one. They they struggle to get them. And uh, yeah, he's he's just a guy. Okay, but he's just a guy. There there are as many good tight ends in the league as there are good quarterbacks. But they don't have yeah, even fair. an average one. They just have they just have trash. <laughs> they have they have large Robert. They have Deguara, and they have Tyler. Yeah. And, and Tunyon was good. Like the he was he was fine. And then the ACL robbed him of you know I think a little bit of speed. Still in that yeah. recovery time period. Right. And and I mean I, in production, like when I say production, obviously there was a game where he had ten catches, but. You know, I don't think even mainstream media was talking about the 10 catches because everyone kind of knew that was just checkdowns and the yardage wasn't much. And it's like he, he's not making plays to, to you know, make it make a difference. So, like you said, it's like a running back level out of each play. It's a. Yeah. But you, you know what? On the plus side, tangential to Big Bob. Samar, Samari Tore. Oh, come on. Tore it. Samari Toure. Samari Toure. Thank you. Um, his touchdown was very similar to the play where Roger started trusting Bob Tunyon. He thought he was Jimmy Graham play. He thought he was Jimmy Graham. So he threw him a bomb in the end zone, which, by the way, I'm 90% sure Bob was he was on a nine and he turned it into a post. Yep. And uh, Toure was on a corner and he turned it into a post. He ran to green, which is what you're supposed to do in that situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so maybe this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. That was a very important touchdown for this podcast. It was, it, it, it was it, huge. It's it sort of, it sort of also brings to mind the whole tra- trade deadline thing. Like even if they brought in, if they found a receiver, how long would it take before that receiver has the trust of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you're not going to get a 10-year veteran who knows what they're doing at the trade deadline. You're going to get a, a, a lottery ticket, a project. You know, Aaron Rodgers doesn't trust these guys. So this, right. is, uh, this is a big moment that maybe someone new has been brought into the fold. And see, this is this is what brings up the Jordan Love controversy, right? Because people are like, Jordan Love looks down the field and sees my guy is bigger than his guy. I bet he can catch this. <laughs> <laughs> like that's Yeah, and, and, maybe. And we kind of need that right now, not Rogers playing Sandlot ball and throwing to his buddies. I'll take Sandlot ball, though, um, and not to his buddies, but um, they did well with Sandlot ball in the second half of this game when all the other receivers got hurt. And if you want some some level of optimism, the downfield throws to Dubs and Toure are not something that they've had in the offense much for the rest of this year. Oh, they were um, pretty. They were pretty. Well, they were also, pretty. shout out to Dobbs for like fixing his hand issues <laughs> he made some nice like, contested catches but yeah, I, and, and made maybe the catch of the catch of the week probably yeah yeah that wasn't the quarterback i mean the quarterback it was it was in the area but that was a receiver touchdown that was beautiful it was a receiver touchdown 
I'm not sure the receivers are just the best or really made for all of the little shallow crossers running into traffic that they do. Like, when Dobbs has a guy draped over him, I think he just is like, it's not his skill set. In At Nevada, it's not really what he did. He was mostly a vertical guy and a deep middle guy, and I think that's what he needs to be, and that's more what he was in this game. And uh, I, with, I think the inexperience actually may have helped a little bit with having to improvise a little bit more and those guys doing what they do naturally. So that, that's something. And uh, if you want to look at a pattern, I do think the Aaron Jones scramble play last week uh, maybe sort of triggered something in Rodgers to actually get out of the pocket once in a while and whip it down the field because that was like the whole offense this week. Do it more. Also, he, he, we should count. He had his fourth run of the year. A, a nice 11-yard scramble for a first big, yeah. yeah. And he yeah, didn't. I'll... He didn't look geriatric. He looked okay. He moved well. Like he looked non-geriatric. That's a, that's the nicest thing that's I will say. Yeah, I mean, do we agree that's his best game of the year? Given even though they just ran the ball a ton. I mean, obviously we're talking about very low bar here, but yeah, was he good against Tampa, or did we just run the ball a bunch on them? I don't actually remember. That game was so forgettable. Yeah, I mean. If I recall, that's a game where they they, they got their scores early, right? Like yeah. They were fourteen nothing, and it was beautiful in the first you know quarter and a half, and everything went to went to pot after Man, that. They only scored fourteen points in that game. Good lord! Yeah, dude. <laughs> Stupid offense. <laughs> Actually, I'm. There's a conspiracy going around on Twitter, not in Packers Twitter, that uh, someone high up in the Bills took the Packers to cover. Oh. <laughs> uh, Bills are up by thirteen. And then Josh Allen magically starts sucking. Um, well, we can ask Calvin Ridley about that a little bit. Yeah. How much do you think? <laughs> how much do you think the injuries played a factor? Because because they they okay, so they're out there. They're two linebackers, which I don't think played a big role. Yeah. But Quay Walker decides to pick a fight with a with a with a coach, which was awful. it was actually a practice squad tight end. Oh, practice squad tight end. Okay. Um, doesn't matter if the guy like disrespected his mama. You just please cannot possibly do that. And uh, and Campbell goes out with an injury. They already Christian Watson comes back for like a play, and then he goes down with a head injury. Ugh, that one. It, yeah, like you know, and Sammy Watkins is out there, but is for for a three yard out, he gets his revenge against the old the team that drafted him. That's what he got. You one cursed second. him. That's why he had a bad game. Is you I cursed him? I did. I tweeted about it right away. Oh, a two two yard revenge game, and then that was his catch yep. for the night. Incredible stuff. All. Incredible stuff. Um, I mean, like I like they they didn't have their full complement of personnel, but I still think this team is not really that badly off when it comes to injuries. They've they've had some, but every team has had some. And I, I honestly don't think injuries can really be blamed at all for what the Packers have suffered this year. Yeah, I'd blame them more if they'd been better with their starting receivers. Like when Lazard and Cobb are out there, it's not like they're tearing people up. It, that's just not the case. They're they're pretty much as good with their backups as they are with their starters. Um, by the way, Aaron's best game was the Bears, and it's not really close. He was 19 of 25 for 234, two touchdowns, no picks. And yeah. that's not a great game, but that is his best game. Isn't that his career average? Uh, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Like, if you break down Aaron like Rodgers' career average, it's like just under 250 yards and two touchdowns. But he does not have more than two touchdowns in a game this year, and uh, that's his high completion percentage in a game this year. So that, that is it. Woof indeed. Oh, yeah, take that back. Tampa. He completed 77 percent of his passes, but he threw an interception, and he was not as efficient on a play-to-play basis. So. Also, Tampa's cheeks. When the hell did that happen? Yeah, they're awful. It might explain why they lost 14-12 to this Green Bay Packers team. Yeah, it does. 
So it's funny how often that happens when like you get that big win and then two games later you look back and it's like, oh, that team is actually ass. Like <laughs> <laughs> you only get 17 games. It's so anything there's so many swings in the NFL. Well, it's it's funny, is like I, I preach every year that no one knows anything until week eight. And now we all know a lot. Yep. I feel like every time I've I've had a just an inkling that the Badgers might might maybe win a national title and go undefeated. That happens every season in that season. Like they'll beat some team that is like, oh, they were like like six, they were really good, and then like three weeks later, that team's lost like three games in a row and is actually junk. Like, yeah. Uh, college is a similar similar thing in that second tier. The top tier teams are always are always good. They then are, the second they are. tier, it's like, oh, this might be the Badgers' year, and then they barely make a bowl game, and then oh, you know, they got a lot of question marks, and that's when they get to the end the uh, Big Ten title game. So, uh, it's it's a it's certainly that way in the NFL as well. Shout but, out to the Horn Frogs. TCU, baby. You're right. Uh, the Bills, I obviously I wasn't impressed with them in this game, but like that's he, the Bills could win, should win the Super Bowl. They're very, very talented. Yeah, so they are. they're really good. So this game might actually look okay on paper as the season goes on. The, like, I'm pretty sure we're going to get another Chiefs Bills AFC championship, which is good because that's dynamite. And yeah. that's that is must see TV. That's good. And, and then whatever like haphazard, scrappy NFC team makes it to the Super Bowl is just gonna get stomped. I'm talking like old school AFC getting stomped. I think the Eagles actually have a uh they are AFC good, I think. And I think that they will make it because nobody else will. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Like Hertz Hertz is a wild card when it gets to the end of the season, right? Like no playoff experience, running a little gimmicky. I don't know. I'm worried. I know, but that but that's your guy, right? It, it is also my guy. Yes, <laughs> it's been a big week for big season for my guys. So, so uh, Paul's love for Jalen Hurts is parabolic. In the draft, it was very high, and yes. over the last couple of years, it plummeted. And he was like, "Yeah, I'm not really high on Hurts anymore." And now we're back, baby. <laughs> they got creative. Who was the other quarterback crush? The late round guy. I'm already. I've already lost his name. Tyler Hunter. The Ravens. Yeah, no, 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 no. Uh, a guy who hasn't done anything yet. I think he might have an alliterative name. Skylar Thompson. No. Bailey Zappi. No. Whatever. It's Do fine. I have another one? Let's move on. Yeah, okay. like you wanted the Packers to draft him. I think the Falcons drafted Felipe him. Franks. Felipe, Felipe Franks. Franks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They tried to turn him into a tight end. He, uh, he. It was very clearly quickly he did not have it, and that he. Uh, he worked a good gimmick offense and a big arm in college into some pretty good ca- counting stats and a good good accuracy stats, but uh, uh, just not a good processor. Um, a good athlete, though. Good athlete, but not sure. going to be an NFL quarterback. Before we go to the defense, anything else on the offense you want to hit? I, the blocking, again, they didn't have Elton Jenkins, so another like late curveball where he, he left in warm-ups. Yeah. Foot injury, so Zach Tom is now a guard. Um, Zach Tom is and, one of the main to be, but like, it seemed like it, it was okay. Look, like, man, Zach Tom at guard is the mayor of Ain't Itsville. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 that's true. You know, we should not under, like, if the Packers are going to go on a tear later, like, if that's going to happen, one thing that might make that happen is that everybody gets back healthy for the whole rest of the season. Because if JR, they... sorry, I got to interrupt this. I just realized something. Oh. JR, it's yeah. been a long time since we've got to teach you, like, a big football brain thing. Okay. Have you ever heard of a lookout block? No. <laughs> yes, you have. No way, have, really? But you just want to talk about okay. it. So go Damn on. it. Yeah, go but ahead. yes, uh, Zach Zach Tom had, like, from the broadcast angle, three lookout blocks. Jeez. Yeah, I think you pointed to one of them in the moment. Just, uh, 
Whoa, look out! Yep. <laughs> that is it for listeners who wanted to know what that was. <laughs> look out! Yeah. Yeah, you just you see the quarterback getting sacked, and the guy who let the guy by is looking at the quarterback. (laughs) Yep. I mean, and all you could say is that Zach Tom did not practice at that position all week because Elton Jenkins was going to play that position. Exactly, and also he weighs twenty five pounds, so he's very very small man. Yeah. Um. He 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 will bulk up. I I I I, the more we talk about him, the more obviously he's just not ready for this. But like, I am a pretty big believer that he's going to be very very good next year and beyond. Uh, it's just it's he's put in an impossible situation and and they do what they can to help him but that obviously reduces what then you can do offensively it's a it's a whole thing so look yeah. jr yeah if during training camp next year yeah you do a bsol tweet about zach tom i'm sending you a glitter bomb <laughs> <laughs> he's added 15 pounds of muscle it's happening matt, <laughs> matt will be so mad <laughs> um okay on defense you know, Stefan Diggs did pretty well. I so they've been c- catching a lot of flack this week for the the defense this week the, the last two days for the defense, and there were even some rumblings after the fact that some people complained about Joe Barry, some actual players. I think their defense was perfectly fine in this game, and sure. I'm the first person to complain about um, them not playing man and matching up Jair on the other team's best receiver. But the Bills have a lot of good receivers, and it's hard to play man against the Bills because their quarterback is a super fast guy who will just run for 25 yards every time you do that. Um, it would have been nice if they could have got him matched up a little more. But Diggs had a good, but not great game. Like that's yeah. that's a game you can live with from Diggs, especially if you shut everybody else down, which they did. They um, did. That's not what beat the Packers. What, what the, their pass defense was totally fine. That was a reasonable performance from them. Their run defense, though, I mean, just holy hell! Like <laughs> Buffalo's not even good at running the ball, except for Allen. He's good at running, but. But like Devin yeah. Singletary had it by far his best game of the year. He's been trash all year. He has been yes, absolutely has. terrible. Um, it was it was a ridiculous performance again. Um, and yeah, linebackers missing time, sure. But uh, there was a lot of bad play on run fits. Tyler Tyler had a very nice set of tweets breaking down film of Quay Walker not going to the right hole and Darnell Savage not going to the right hole. And big no, plays. no, Darnell Savage going to the right hole and then whiffing. Like, well, also, yeah. he, there was one he had some he, lookout tackles. He did have some. <laughs> look, the, the Josh Allen one is a thing of. I meant to slow in motion. I'm, gonna, I'm doing that tomorrow. I'm slow mowing him flying by Josh Allen tomorrow and and putting like a, a waltz behind it. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> did you guys see my prophetic tweet of the week? Nope. So I was. I made the joke about like, oh, the Packers are gonna are gonna win against Buffalo, be buyers at the trade deadline, then lose to Detroit. And someone said that was the most Packers outcome is my buddy Monty. And I said, no, the true most Packers outcome would be Josh Allen throws for 500 yards, mostly up of deep crossers. And we get a highlight reel of Darnell Savage trailing behind Diggs seven times while Jair has a soundbite. It's like, I don't know. I was in a cloud flat the whole game. (laughs) Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. 
Real Traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, and yeah. then, sure enough, on every single digs catch, you see Jair's playing a cloud. That <laughs> did happen quite a few times. Yes, that's true. Picking up Darnell Savage's fifth year option looks like a disaster. It was a Which, bad it idea. Looked, it looked like a good idea last year. It didn't really, though. Um, it, it looked. He looked like it a, was he looked like a seven, last He looked like a seven million dollar safety. How's that? All right. I don't. He I know. I don't like Darnell Savage, and I would not have done it. Uh, okay. So. Do you know? Do you know who made seven million dollars in one year as a safety? Probably a garbage Mor- player. Morgan Burnett. Okay. Morgan Burnett left the Packers to go make seven million dollars with the Steelers. Morgan Burnett is way better. He's good. Um, right. Right. And what? But that was also pre like Bam Bam Cam extensions. Yeah. Um. So I think that I think that this looked like a bargain last year. Now it looks like a disaster. They just they've had so much regression from individual players on defense. Yep. And I mean it's, it's almost like coaching is bad. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, like you said, defense wasn't the problem, but oh my gosh, Darnell Savage, like there's a terrible highlight reel. The the bad run fits, the bad tackling, the bad discipline, like letting emotions boil over. Like these are coaching problems. There's a lot of bad coaching on that defense. Like just a lot of bad stuff going on. So can we draw? Where's where's a silver lining? Is is there anything we can glean? Even even though I, I mean I know people are feeling it because they did not get blown out by potentially the best team in the NFL at their place. But it, is is that real? I I don't, I don't no, know. The, the the best team in the NFL just mailed in the second half and still won by ten. Yes. So I I'll, I will even <laughs> say this about that game. Um, while they did mail it in, they were also kind of dumb. They kept passing. Like they could have just run the ball eight hundred times in the second half, not thrown any interceptions, and, and you know gained six yards of carry and ended the game. And they threw, they threw uh, I think fourteen passes after halftime, but before they actually started kneeling to run the clock out. That's it's a lot. Um, don't don't do that. So the the Bills were always had this in hand. I think there are some positives you can potentially take away about rookie receivers getting slightly better, pass defense being good, but like. They need to fix run defense, like really, really bad <laughs> right now, and they need they still need more downfield threats in the passing game, and it's still not great. And but, before anyone enters the mentions about the run game, like 180 yards of the 200 yards came against seven man boxes. Yep. I mean, so the Bills were just like, "Please run." That's Go exactly ahead. correct. Like the, the Packers were. This is very similar to our Aaron Rodgers RPO discourse, where the other team is dictating what they want you to do. Like. Buffalo didn't care because if the Packers run down the field and score a touchdown, they'll waste seven minutes, and then Josh Allen will throw a bomb to Gabriel Davis on the next play, and undone, all all gone. (laughs) By the way, DVOA, number one in defense right now. Uh, 
shooting up the charts, the Denver Broncos and Ejiro Evero. It hurts. It it, it hurts. Green Bay you is know, with your, still at twenty-two. With your goofed up, with your goofed up voice, you sound like a radio DJ talking about a top forty hit. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> like, number one with a bullet, shooting up the charts. Just past you Philadelphia. Know, do you know who does not have the number one defense in the NFL? Uh, the the Lions. Lions. They, they the not. Lions actually have bottom three all time. Yeah, it's uh, I think bottom. Oh wow! It's it's historically bad no it's not no, it really yes. Is. yes it literally is um a, a lot of all the epa guys have been on this all week but essentially this is a down year for offense in the league like the average offensive output this year is much lower than it's been over the, any time in the past like decade and the lions are like still giving up more efficient play more yards more everything than any other team over the last like 15 years even though the offensive environment has you know gotten doing them a ton of favors they're they're one of the worst defenses to ever play football wow so so they're just jinxing us in advance here about how yeah i was gonna say they're they're likely the worst defense in the post tie law era yeah, I, this is this is one of those. You should go, not you personally, Jr. If you're listening, uh, yeah. you should go to um, running backs don't matter, and you should just look at the defensive chart where the Lions are just all by themselves on an island of suck in, in the, <laughs> the lower left hand corner of the chart. Uh, did I see that they just fired University of Wisconsin alumnus Aubrey Pleasant? You did. Yes, they did. You did see that their DBs coach. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Well. Yeah, that was a, that was an unpleasant <laughs> surprise. I got to I, I enjoy I got to like their coaches because of hard knocks. So I don't want to see any of these guys go. And what's what's really funny is amongst being a Michigan local, I have a lot of Lions fan friends, followers and whatnot. Um, everyone is like the DBs have been playing better than expected. That's a fall guy. Yeah, like like Okuda took a step forward this year. I mean, without tearing his his Achilles. Yeah. Um, it's the season for so, fall guys because the Colts just fired an offensive coordinator who doesn't even call the plays. So it's just that time of year where oh we're we're bad we got to make changes for cosmetic ones. So that's that's all that's happening right now. Yep, they are um, they are last in DVOA against the pass. They're thirty second okay. at twenty six point eight percent, worse than average. They're only thirtieth against the run. So um, <laughs> get, guess who is worse against the run? <laughs> So I'm thinking Packers win this game 21-17. <laughs> and it isn't the shot in the arm everyone wants it to be. I, I think I it'll think, be something like that. I agree with you. I think the Packers lose. I mean, if they do, whatever. Like. I, think this is the <laughs> end. I, think, I think this is the end. And maybe it is, if, if they do whatever. Like, I got I to pull up odds. Because it's really funny is the, the Packers technically covered <laughs> last week. So I got to do my joke about like good teams win, great teams cover. Yep. Um, but I'm pretty sure they are the freakish favorites. So, in, uh, so they want they uh, wanted to deal with TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, no, Hawkinson is good. But just to uh, we laughed at Matt's statement, but it's very possible Detroit does win this game. Um, they are actually the seventh best rushing team in football. And that's without DeAndre Swift for a couple games that he missed with injury, and he's back. Jamal Williams has been good. Their offensive line is actually an upper-tier offensive line. It's it's certainly better than Green Bay's offensive line is. Uh, and, you know, they're a team that is a grinded-out um, kind of old-school team uh, in terms of their attitude. And I think that they will see it as a challenge to run all over the Packers, and they I think they can do that. It's just a matter of if 
Green Bay can respond with enough points against one of the worst defenses of all time to not let that matter. Um, that's dangerous. I'm not sure they could do that. So right now it's the line is Packers minus three and a half. So there you go. All right. Um, I mean, it should be pointed out that I, I realize the defense sucks, but the Lions, who have one win, they lost to the Vikings in Minnesota by four points. They lost to the Eagles, who are, again, undefeated by three points. They lost to Seattle, 48-45, by three points. They're plucky. They lost to the Cowboys two weeks ago, 24-6, to but a goal line fumble absolutely, completely swung how that game was going. And last week, they lose by four to the Dolphins. They have been competitive in all but really, uh, well... Safely, they haven't been competitive in, in every game this year. They got crushed by the Patriots. The Patriots but. annihilated okay, but, them. But, but how they're... many how many of those games were they successful because of TJ Hawkinson eighth overall pick? <laughs> Maybe. None? I, I mean, I'm not saying they're good. <laughs> not at all. I'm just saying the, the Packers, they, they don't have a cakewalk necessarily awaiting them. You know what's really funny is, is we all crap on the TJ Hawkinson pick. I saw him mocked to the Packers four picks later, like a thousand times. <laughs> I wanted the Packers to take him. So did I. Yeah. I never want um, first-round tight ends, but I would, I guess, take him now. Uh, well, g- guess what, Paul? There's one on the team. What are you going to do about it? I'm the- also <laughs> – he was drafted in the 80s. I. Um... <laughs> By the way, their their backup tight end, Brock Wright, is is a frisky tight end who has <laughs> who has been good in limited sample size. So. Well, they should have traded for him then, the Packers. Yes. should have. Your judicious line. use of risky this podcast has been surprising. Has it been more than once? Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> you, you've called multiple people risky. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I just don't. I, I really want to believe the Packers are going to win, but uh, there's just no evidence that they're I think they'll probably win. But it's not like this knock em, It's not this great matchup that we've been kind of hoping hits them at some point. It's just not. Um, it, uh, it could be, it could be trouble, which. Every time it's been, could be trouble. It's always trouble. Uh, DeAndre Swift, like Aaron Jones has been fantastic this season, right? He averages like six and a half yards a carry. DeAndre Swift averages seven and a half yards a carry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and is also a good passing game guy. So mm-hmm. it, uh, I'm, I'm worried that he will have like 10 yards a carry. But maybe the Lions coaching staff is as bad as advertised, and they're going to be like, we're going to surprise them and win with golf. Oh boy! Yeah, maybe that's the only hope in my opinion. I think Jamal Williams has a. If the Packers lose, it's going to be a Williams score on top of it, just to just to put a little extra salt in the wound. But uh, yeah, I don't know. shall I we just, get to questions? Oh, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. I just my real quick. I'm just gonna my preview. I always make uh, everybody APC makes a ridiculous prediction every week. Um, like a very specific one. I love that. By yeah, the way. which mine last week was that Samari Torre will score his first touchdown, which will be the longest play of the season. So. Um, <laughs> So close. The it was close. I think yeah, it was close. I think I think this guy's healthy, but the Lions have a receiver named Tom Kennedy who uh, looks like a math teacher, and uh, I think he will score a touchdown against the Packers. And uh, he he also is known to throw the ball once in a while. So I'm debating between catching and and hitting a bomb to Amon Ra. So. I love it. Oh my gosh, I love the very specific prediction. Yeah. Those are very, very. Fun. He's like you trick, know trick plays have worked well against the Packers, and I yeah. think like Tom Kennedy is the guy who's gonna be a trick play guy. Like you're, you're painfully, <laughs> like like if I would take the money that that a non QB throws a touchdown for for the Lions, your specificity is shocking. 
The guy, well, the, the guys to look for are the non-quarterbacks. Where uh, Pro Football Reference lists what they throw. He throws right. That is a, always a good sign that he's going to be one of those guys. Um, I love the I love this exercise because of how much work you put into it, Paul, to get the precise possible. Like you <laughs> you don't just throw something at the wall, like you know something random that you you really uh, you really have a good. Okay, uh, how, about, how about this? Uh, Jamal Williams fumbles for the for multiple times in a season for the first time in his career. Uh, I dig it. I think it's more likely that Jamal Williams has like 200 yards rushing. Against yes, it's much team. more likely that that happens. <laughs> but after predicting that the Packers lose to the one and six Lions, I need to say something optimistic. All otherwise, right. people are going to get mad at me. Fair enough. Yeah, I think mine would be something like Zach Tom is used as a tight end or, you know, something something that's been floated before. I wouldn't even Zach Tom him. looks like a tight end. <laughs> I know, man. They need it. They need him at tight end. They need their healthy line so that Zach Tom can be their third tight end. Just switch him and Mercedes. That's all you got to do. Yeah, whatever. Honestly, Mercedes would be a better guard than Zach Tom. 100%. Mm-hmm. All right. Questions. Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. Patreon questions. Of course, our patrons get question priority. Mark Putscarby, he's kind of become our new Helen Thomas, he has. right? He's beaten Google a bunch of times. Um, yeah. Who's Helen Thomas? She was the woman who, for years and years, asked the first question at White House press briefings. She was a, a journalist legend. Yep. Oh, okay. She, she worked like late, late into life. And, uh, Anyway, Mark Piscardi. So in, in the nerd world, she's a red shirt guy. Yeah, I feel like we've referenced her before. We have. We've called the Jake. first person Helen Thomas, Helen Thomas many times. Yeah, yeah was well, it, it was probably a Brooke podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All the good stuff happens in Brooke podcasts. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, especially like when Hey, I Like Your Pod oh, yeah. features the pod. Shout, and shout out forgets, to Hey, I Like Your Pod for uh, forgets that I exist. Look, us. Matt, the guy who runs that, follows me on Twitter, interacts with me regularly. That's hilarious. <laughs> He knows you as a meme weaver and a yes. general Twitter rabble rouser. Yes, exactly. And yeah, like, very, I didn't know you were very in complimentary of your voice specifically. It puts you in the same category as Meerdink as a podcast voice, which is. Did he say that? Yes, which is very high praise. So. Oh, wow. No, God, Meerdink has the best voice in Packers podcast. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't deign to compete with uh, with John Meerdink's voice and also uh, nor his column. Was it this past week or the week before where he wrote about <laughs> football being knowable? Really it was last that. week. Oh, my God. That was also like, um, re- uh, recommended on We Like Your Pod. So. Yes. So uh, Meerdink wrote, uh, for those who are unaware, uh, Huber was tweeting Let's about first how names like, too, so that we're not just being rude. John, John, oh. <laughs> Bill, Bill, Bill Huber, Bill Huber was Bill, Bill Huber, uh, who is just a blogger for uh, Sports <laughs> Illustrated. Never mind. <laughs> um, was <laughs> tweeting that football is unknowable if unless you have a headset and a true play sheet. Okay. Uh, Justice Mosqueda tweeted the last seven playbooks that Matt LaFleur penned. He did do that. Um, and it started this big war amongst the the uh, verified beat versus the bloggers, much like the DVOA <laughs> war. JR's just and, wanting to cut off Matt right now. And, I do <laughs> feel obligated to point out that I think this is being mischaracterized a little bit. I okay, I, no I, one, no one at Milwaukee Journal Sentinel piped up. Every they were all very well behaved. This was <laughs> this, this was this was the Domovskis of the world. Yes, well, I, and and as far as you know, dorks, whatever, value only analytics. I'm not a fan of that mentality. I'm not a fan of that being said out loud. Uh, I, I don't know if this was quite the bloodbath that's being portrayed as, but I loved Meerdink's article. John Meerdink's article, I loved, the, I loved it. So uh, I, mean, was, I, I, I need to say these constructive criticism. Right. Because exactly. I need to say these things to, to <laughs> preface 
John Meerdink is the most even-tempered writer that I have ever come across. And so that him writing a very well-written article about how easy it is to learn football if you want to is like the equivalent of him screaming at someone. That sure. is kind of true. But it, like, yeah, John is even killed and it was a very John article in that it it just pointed out all of the resources available to anyone who does want to understand the play that was being analyzed at a high level, be it the playbook, the calls, the adjustments, um, the personnel groupings, everything that you could possibly know about it, and and that it, it's not something that's uncriticizable by by everybody. So go check I, it out. I, it was good. I wonder, in all earnestness, if if writers truly appreciate that there are people out there who are doing the work and who are really who really do study film and really do all those links that he posted that really have followed all those links and are interested in you know theory and personnel and all all that stuff like it is knowable because it's out there but also because people are people are doing that people are deep diving on that stuff and you know you you could just be on twitter and gain information after a game based on these little clips of film or or whatever and and sometimes there's disagreements you and uh, Aaron Negley for example sometimes don't see eye to eye on everything Every but once uh, in a while. but uh there's there's so much information just right there for the taking if you want it and and people are taking it so it's uh it's a it's a really neat community really neat and and i i hope that there are writers out there who appreciate that enough and know that you know it isn't a threat to you as a as a writer or someone with quote unquote access to uh, to interact with those people and respect them. They have absolute great viewpoints and maybe they're wrong about stuff, but uh, but they but they bring so much to the table. It's it's a really cool. It's almost like a second screen experience. You know, yeah. you've got the, the the main beat and then there's sort of like this this analysis niche. It's really so, great. I started listening to Collision Crossers this week. Oh, OK. This is the first time I've experienced the book. I'm I'm uh, I'm an audiobook guy, right? So I'm. 10 hours into a 15 hour audiobook, they uh, just lost to the Patriots. Um, it talks about, so this book is 10 years old at this point, yeah. older than older that. than that. Yeah. Um, and it talks about the unknowability of football at the time. It does. And it is amazing what has changed in 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it look in, in the, in the words of eight time, Mr. Olympia, Ronnie Coleman, ain't nothing to it, but to do it. Yeah. If, if you want to learn football, you can go do it. It's easy. It is. We should answer Mark's question, which we haven't even. Oh yeah, yet. poor okay, Mark Darby's been sitting on the precipice here, waiting. Uh, in the off season, were tomorrow. If the off season were tomorrow, would you be willing to offer? What would you be willing to offer Elton Jenkins, assuming he wants starting tackle money? Would you be willing to give it to him? We can't. <laughs> He's tricky. He's really tricky. I would not. Um, I. I think he'll probably recover well. It's he's still in the window on an ACL injury when you're not all the way back, but. Um, ACL, ACLs are tricky, and he has shown a decline so far that is worrisome. And there's no guarantee he's going to be able to make it back a tackle at an elite level for sure. So, um, no, I, I, I don't think so. And uh, it, it's it's hard to say that because the Packers have struggled with their recent picks, um, unusually, to find guys that they could just plug back in there. Like, this line is not as good as it usually is. And there's mm -hmm. some potential there, but it's not. It hasn't jumped up like it sometimes does. So, uh, But no, I, don't, I think that's a bad investment. Their cap is not in great shape, and they can't go taking risks like that on guys who might not be good for the future and good on the next uh, Packer right. competitive team more than anything. So... I know this deal is 10 years old at this point, but the Josh Sitton contract comes to mind. 
He Packers signed Hall of Famer Josh Sitton. Packers Indeed. Hall of Famer Josh Sitton signed a, a five-year, $33 million contract with only $8 million of it guaranteed. He was on a very team-friendly deal with almost nothing guaranteed, but it he would have gotten paid had he made it his, his way through the contract. Um, but then the Bears gave him a contract, so. Yeah. I, I think I would do something like that. Like like maybe a, a long-term contract with not a lot guaranteed <gasps> at signing. I just want, I think, I think he's going to be moving on. I just think this is going to be tricky. Someone, someone's going to pay him tackle money. And I don't think the Packers will. Yep. I, what you said, the next great Packers team is, is constantly flashing through my head as we're talking about like what, what personnel moves do you make? Who do you bring back? Who do you, I mean, next great Packers team legitimately could be three years from now, but also as we've talked about, or who knows what happens if the Packers wind up good next year, you know, like there's, you know, Aaron Rodgers was was awful in 2018 and then he was amazing you know so like it's really really hard to get a handle on when the next great Packers team is coming along Patrick Detmer says there's some evidence to indicate that it's really hard for defensive linemen to be effective in their rookie year but do we have to start worrying that Devontae Wyatt may not be any good if he cannot see more snaps given the current defensive line production from the Packers this one's interesting because Devontae Wyatt has now graded out quite well for a couple games in a row he just hasn't been on the field very much, and that's especially troubling because he's good at stopping the run so far. Yeah, and a lot of the other ones aren't. So this Look, is like Jaron Reed is downright embarrassing. Yeah. So why is Wyatt not getting snaps over? And him? Is it a conditioning thing, or is he a little bit of a, a doghouse um, malcontent? We don't know. Like no idea. But he has actually played pretty well when he's played, and he should probably play more unless there's some reason we don't know about to keep him off the field. So, um, Look, man, anytime you can draft an old player and then not play them at all during their rookie year, yeah. you should do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it occurs to me how you have three years with these guys. Like, I, I know you want to wait for guys to develop, but the salary cap doesn't allow for that. You know, you have to be able to get production out of out of guys in their first three years. And if they're on the bench for the first year and, and they're essentially redshirting, you've lost so much, so much <laughs> in evaluation and so much in talent. Like, you've got to hit on those guys in the first round. Look. Kenny Clark was drafted two presidents ago, and he could have gone to high school with Devontae Wyatt. Yeah. Uh, this is just a, yeah. another one of these annoying things where, like, um, Dean Lowry is Rice, is Rice Newman, and you've got a replacement <laughs> just sitting there. Who, and maybe he's not good, but you're not going to find out putting Rice Newman on the defensive line out there. So, like, just get Lowry out of there, especially in running downs, and try it. Um, it's It's dumb. They have they have a deference to veteran problem to some extent on this team. Uh, Chris Richard says seems to be a lot of pearl clutching going on about the game on Sunday night. Writers insisting that the Packers were exposed against Buffalo. That suggests that Green Bay somehow played worse against the Bills. If anything, I think they were exposed in the three previous games and showed some signs of life in Buffalo. Where do you guys fall on that? I mean, I I didn't I'm, see too many people talking about being exposed against Buffalo. I feel like that's right on. Otherwise, the yeah. the the national talking heads. The, that don't know anything we're saying. Oh, that only watch Sunday Night Football. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, yeah, that's ridiculous. The Packers have been exposed many, many times over before this game, and I agree they they at least looked competent in this game. Like there were, yeah, there were some signs of something stirring. I mean, so the people the, who lost to the well, Commanders, is, guys, come on. Yeah, the people who were saying those kinds of things are people like Colin Coward, who uh, just today went on and on <laughs> that was awesome about the Bears running back Armstrong. Mentioned him multiple times in 30 seconds. Who, um, who, who was he talking about? Armstrong. Consensus yeah. <laughs> is he was talking about David Montgomery. Nobody knows how he got to Armstrong from Montgomery. 
And nobody's 100% sure because Khalil Herbert could obviously also be that guy. He's also quite good. But uh, that the, the awful announcing guys, uh, I believe, were pretty confident he was on about Montgomery. Man, I'm trying to think like in my head what is causing that association. I know. Like, I, I did this all day too because I feel like I can free associate my way to anything. And right. I got like it. if Armstrong were another state capital, you know, like yeah. you could see how that would happen. <laughs> I love I love so much that you guys are doing the like six degrees of Kevin Bacon but for like why Colin Coward isn't as dumb as we think. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. We're pro- yes, we are. We're desperate, desperate to give him the benefit of the doubt through uh, through word association. Um, KTM said, I just want to thank Matt for his ringing endorsement of that VR football game. It's on my son's Christmas list at any price. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, if you are new to the bit, the game, not great not great Uh, by the way there's never been an nfl player named david armstrong i did check that out just for the record (laughs) that's so good what about what about khalil armstrong khalil oh right uh what's the name of the other running back khalil herbert it is khalil herbert okay right so is there has there been a khalil armstrong uh anyway i'll finish maybe he was talking about armstead like you want it i don't like that's the closest name i can come up with like Jesse Armstead? Sure. Okay. Well, Tarek. Tarek Armstead. Not Jesse. Okay. From right. Okay, we should stop doing this now. All right, so if we were – I'm finishing KTM's thought here. If we were 4-4, four and four, would we be hyped about positives from this loss to a superior Buffalo team? Run game and pressures look promising, but are we relevant? I mean, yeah, if we were 4-4, four and four, that means we probably didn't lose to the commies. Yeah. And the team looks better. Yeah. Uh, we would be more relevant. We'd, be, we'd have a tiebreaker that we'd – uh, one of the other problems with the tiebreaker scenario is that Washington is ahead of us. They're not in the playoffs. They're tied with the 49ers who have that last spot. But they own a tiebreaker over us, too, the stupid commanders. Um, so, uh, yes, it, it, it being 4-4 four four would be infinitely better than this one. Commanders straight up have the better record right now, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like They have right. so much to catch up. Like, they're yeah. behind by so many games. They're going to have to beat the Eagles. Like, Does anyone think that's going to happen? I mean, not, not that they not that they really will have to, but NFC teams, like they got to they gotta kind of run that table, the NFC table, and I don't know, man. Clearly, Joel Os- Osment says, at what point in a season do players start making business decisions when it comes to getting shellacked by very large men? I don't know. Darnell Savage made some in this game, if you ask me. But anyway, <laughs> is there any kind of metric to track missed tackles or assignments increasing as a team's playoff chances get smaller and smaller? Would you expect players with more contracted years or guaranteed money to be the worst offenders? Uh, guys definitely do start making business decisions at some point. I think it's a little early for that right now. But so the maybe <laughs> the the big football brain take is usually when it gets cold is when you start to see yeah. those people do those things. However, there are certain positions where you can't really take a playoff. Like if you are an offensive lineman trying to make a business decision and the defensive lineman decides that they're not taking a playoff, yep. you you break something. Yeah, there's this that. Is all, it's very difficult to gauge because by the end of the year, everybody's hurt. So you have to mix that in. That's a, that's a variable you can't account for in addition to the cold. So, you know, it's... in in the words of Nate Jackson, are you hurt or are you injured? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, all this is on tape. And, you know, um, if you have a contract up soon, you're putting that out there for your future employers, too. So it doesn't help in that much. But every once in a while, I do think it, it happens. But I, I think the Packers are just bad. I don't think this is a an effort, a moral, an ethical thing that anybody's being bad about. This is just, there are some players that aren't very good, and that's how that goes. 
Ryan Ziegler says, I'm going to avoid the snarky joke comment this week and actually ask a serious football front office question in two parts. First, when watching other teams around the league, many teams, even bad ones, seem to carry an energy with them. For decades, we've heard complaints and some have been subjected to, some of us have been subjected to being told to sit down, be quiet, act like you've been there before. The stadium ops team plays bad jock jam songs from the 80s and 90s. None of the campaigns have seemed to work about getting loud and bringing the energy. We would never see a Packers mafia. Green Bay feels old and dusty. So there's not a question. Well, that's not really a question, Professor. But, no, no. Yeah. But it is a statement about yeah. the 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 fan experience at Lambeau Field, which we, we've touched on before, but this is kind of a recurring complaint that Packers fans, at least in recent years, have not brought the noise. And I feel like we've debunked it a little bit, but I don't know, Paul. Do you want to – we can meditate on that a little bit. Well, I'm not even sure it's not true. That's the thing. Um, I, I just um, – the reasons that are stated for it are, uh, I think there's a lot of little reasons that this happens. And, um, you know, what people tend to get into is the green versus the gold package and the green pay people don't like the Milwaukee people. Um, but I think a lot of it is just more corporate crowds. Um, football is more expensive. There's a lot more people there for, uh, you know, vendors buying them tickets and to see Lambo that aren't as big of you know, fans. There's not as many guys who just, you know, own houses in the neighborhood who have season tickets anymore. They go to every game and that's part of it. Um, you know, my conspiracy theory is that there's no cup holders, and I think that actually does matter quite a bit. I will go to bat for that one. Um, it's hard to clap when you're holding a beer. It just is. That's just, God, that's the most American thing I think I've ever heard <laughs> you say. Yeah, and, and, and by the way, people always yell at me. There are cup holders in some of the new, yes, there are some cup holders in Lambeau Field, but in the lower bowl, there are not. It's all bleachers, which you all know. But wouldn't having no cup holders encourage greater consumption of alcohol because it's constantly in your hand? And if you're yeah. like me, if you're holding the drink, you're going to drink it more likely. Does that not lend itself to greater participation? Well, I mean, I, I, I also promise you, I did not sit down once during the divisional game. Yeah, I don't think I did either. That crowd was on its feet the whole game. And, and I feel like playoff crowds are different, though, because those are not seats that are I mean, yes, those go to season ticket holders for the most part. But it's not that's not a corporate experience. That's a those people really want to be there, you know, for the most part. And I do think there's something to these people have had season tickets in their families for generations. You know, they they, they you know, part of their budgetary lives is based around both in time and in dollars is based around Packers tickets yep. like that's that's good because those people care very deeply but also like that's not necessarily the guy who just who woke up that morning and didn't know he was going to go to a game but got offered tickets by a buddy and wound up there and like was drinking and having a good time like there isn't a lot of that those are people who know they're going to those games weeks in advance and it's it's an experience they don't they say, want to be able to see the game isn't that a baseball thing yes that is a baseball like, thing yeah. because there's a higher inventory too like it's not just a i mean there's a so I, I will say this 2015 uh, Packers implemented get loud Lambo. I think that worked. And then it just went away. I, what, I don't remember me what that. was part of yeah. that campaign. So 2015, they, they put up these big graphics said, get loud Lambo. And they gave out these like spinny rally towel things. Um, and the home opener was against the Seahawks and they just stomped the Seahawks. So I am against those. I actually think they're not used properly. I remember the bark board back at the Bradley center uh, for the bucks. And I feel like what tends to happen with those is uh, the stadium operators play them um, like when there's a break to get people psyched up when people come back into commercial, but then they have to stop it when the play starts. Like they have to take it off the board. I think it's a, if it's not a rules thing, they definitely do it. 
And when it goes off the board, everybody shuts up. Like when they're not being told to do stuff anymore, they get quiet again. <laughs> or, or too many of them do, and and it like ruins the whole thing. Instead of organic getting noisy, like everybody like gets worn out being noisy for the commercial break. Um, I, I also think mittens matter a lot. By the way, too, that's my other one with Lambo. It <laughs> they need to plant like old dudes or or big dudes around the stadium and have them dancing like during these commercial breaks where people are just laughing hysterically and getting into it right before the action returns i don't I, i'm i'm just off the top of my jr head. you are dangerously close to endorsing the wave right now and i don't know no, no, I, don't, I, mean, I mean getting the camera on these people on the big board and having them do something that's going to make everybody pay attention because if everybody's locked in on one thing then there becomes this sort of like you know this this singular community thing going on yeah you're talking about the the kiss cam and the family i would like to see and... something yeah i would yeah. like to see something more along the lines of what um a lot of soccer teams do and have some kind of fan organization as to we will make these noises and do these things at various times during the game. I think. Yeah. Okay. We need chants and songs and yeah. oh my God, soccer fans are so much better at this than we are. They are truly. Yep. Truly. They are. I do also think there is some truth to Midwesterners not like uh, exposing themselves. And I don't mean that literally, but um, I mean, <laughs> uh, Packers fans have no problem with that. Yeah, they don't. That's that's very true. Um, but I mean, like yelling loud and drawing attention to themselves. I think that that is a cultural thing where a lot of people have like, you know, they keep their arms in and like, yay, not loud cheering. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want you to think I'm unhappy. Yes, like, exactly. Wow, that dude's ecstatic. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, there's a lot of crowded seats where if I wave my arms around, I'm hitting at three people next, you know, over like it, it's really difficult to move around in there. Understandably, they want to pack it in. But like that also may contribute as well. I don't OK, know. we've given 10 minutes to Ziggy and he has two. He has another question. Oh, goodness. There's a second part. Oh, <laughs> is the front office terrified of public scorn? I mean, it's legitimately. They always seem to waffle on tough choices. Stokes is bad. Savage is awful. One could make the argument that there might be too many angry comments on Facebook from Don and Deb in Rice Lake if they make a move that goes against the thoughts. And it makes me wonder if the front office is terrified to hurt the brand. I don't think so. I, I really yeah. don't. They have more insulation than a lot of people do from such things. Uh, I think with in the Rogers era, they do have to kind of um, try and they do. They, they're afraid of him. Uh, with good reason, uh, he controls a lot of their cap space based on the decisions he makes, and recently that has absolutely been the case. And they've gone out of their way to make him happy. That's why Randall Cobb's on the team. But I don't think that they fear, fear public scorn. They make a lot of draft picks that are frankly not very popular, um, even when they work out like Rashawn Gary. And um, so I, I think there's very little evidence for that part of it. Also, the Packers front office is honestly, at the end of the day, they're, they're, they are there to make money. So Mark Murphy's there for, and he controls them. And at the end of the day, Don and Deb and Rice Lake are going to the game. They're buying jerseys. They're buying flags. They're like, they're supporting the team anyway. Yep. Old man on a bike in Sherlington. Says, <laughs> this is my favorite. I'm just an old man on a bike who yells at people <laughs> on walking paths. But this Packers team reminds me a lot of the 2018 Packers. Do we have a chance of turning it around next year? Or with the salary cap, do we need to tear it all down and look at a couple years of bad football? If so, that's really unfortunate as I just bought an 86-inch TV. <laughs> okay. So that first comment makes me want to think that this is Danny, but his knowledge of football makes me know it's not Danny. That's not, it, not how Danny writes. So. No. But Danny yells at people on walking paths. So he's, he's, he's an anti-car guy. Um, we did talk about how this is possibly a two to three year situation. It's okay. Here's the thing. The Packers are married to Aaron Rodgers for the next three years, whether we like it or not. Yeah. 
he has the team by the huevos. <laughs> Which does mean they have a chance. Like, um, they will have a quarterback who can be very good for the next three years, unless he retires. And it's going to be hard to put a team together. Uh, like, the supporting cast is going to be difficult to improve absent some excellent drafting, but they are capable of excellent drafting because drafting is more art than science, and um, there's some luck involved. Uh, so it's not impossible, but it gets harder every year because Aaron takes up more cap space every year or requires another restructure to push things out. And um, every year that they do this, they have fewer resources to work with to build stuff around him. So it's not impossible. They might rally next year. They've had some bad luck this year that might regress, especially some uh, bad luck on third, third and fourth downs that I think might come back to, to earth a little bit. But I wouldn't count on it exactly. Look, say the thing. Regression to the mean might happen. Woo! Yeah, fine. <laughs> um, also, what if, are there any TV deals that are up in the next three years? I don't think so. I was going to say, because could there be a step function up of the ca- yeah. salary it's cap? It's going to go up, but it's not going to save them. Yeah, I think we're talking eight years, nine years. I don't know that I'm off the top of my head, but just the, the little amount that I do follow uh, sports media there's nothing special coming up it's why we're not yet to a place where we're going to have all streaming games for i think until i i think until the 2030s honestly yep um okay so joe cool says uh oh and I, before before we get there i'll just point out like Do- dobbs and you know watson could get a lot better next also year true and get on the same page with aaron Rodgers, and that could suddenly be pretty yeah. lethal the normal receiver yeah the normal receiver curve is three years usually receivers aren't good right away they usually take two and a half to three years to develop so they get better every year that is possible as well that might help joe cool asks how would you improve nfl officiating for him it starts with accountability make the lead official take questions about the calls after the game uh, hold on, I got lost. There also needs to be better stats tracking their calls so teams can game plan accordingly. Some smart teams probably already do this, but my guess is the Packers do not. Finally, we need to promote the officials' assignments with the game details on par with the weather conditions and the point spreads. The refs can even have their own intro videos. And the first drive be like Jerome Bogar, Morehouse College, referee, pro referee focus grade 61.3. If we really want the human error element to be part of the game, treat the officials like every other person in the game or else replace them replace them with robots or tracking devices did did jerome bozier actually go to morehouse college it would be amazing if he did like like if, if joe actually researched his question that would be amazing yep uh i don't know and i, I have talked a lot of crap on jerome bozier in my life so i should at least owe him the favor <laughs> i i would bet though his part about team- he went to morehouse college yeah, oh. incredible all right. Uh, great question. I would bet teams do, in fact, track the officials. They know the officials' tendencies a little bit. I know in Major League Baseball, they put up items on a bulletin board with the umpires and and just like facts about them just to get to like if they want to make small talk. Uh, this is obviously a little bit different, just sort of judging their, their, their so wickedness and such. They but. definitely have the scouting f- on them. And mm-hmm. if they're uh, active or passive officials and they game plan contact in the secondary based on that for sure. Um, some other things as well. But Accountability is hard. It's a judgment game. It's very fast. It's hard to do it, um, and it's uh, it, it's just tricky to do that in a sport like this. I do wish I had EPA reports for their calls, especially for um, the play as completed after the fact. But that does not exist, and is hard to do. So, so um, the first public facing answer to this question was the Legion of Boom. They straight up said, like, we know officials will only call X number of 
penalties a game and then they'll they'll swallow their whistle hmm. and that was their whole strategy um my answer to nfl officiating is to remove as much of the officiating as we possibly can um have sensors in the ball so they don't have to worry about, about ball placement have sensors in the gloves that tell you whether or not there is movement in the football relative to the glove so they don't have to worry about what is a catch and then I think you take those things away from officials and officiating gets a lot better very quickly. That could be. I think you're asking for like next level technology that I'm, I'm not. not though. That stuff I, exists. I, 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 I'm sure it does, but it implementate, you know, like look, you have like robo strike zones too. It, and it just isn't quite right. Yet. Okay. It, it took Bill Belichick like three years of petitioning the NFL just to put GoPros in the pylons. Yeah. What I'm asking is a monumental task to get the NFL to do it, but in terms of technology and cost, it is not prohibitive. Okay. Alex Lamer says, can you explain why the Packers are listed in the top half by DVOA when gestures broadly? We have all this mess. Other, <laughs> me- other metrics like EPA per play, I think, have the Packers closer to the bottom of the league. Why is DVOA so high on them? I can do this one. I know exactly why. Um, EPA is points-based, and DVOA is mostly yards-based. And the main difference between the two is um, – the Packers uh, failing on fourth down so frequently as they do. They have a ton of long drives that have ended with fourth down failures that, I mean, they should have converted like half of them based on just odds and probably more in a normal season for the Packers. Uh, The other thing is fumbles by DVOA are basically treated as random, uh, especially recoveries. And the Packers have had quite a few fumbles on offense as well, um, uh, especially around the goal line. And um, those just are killers, especially when the Packers run so much so many fewer, so many fewer, so uh, so much, few, uh, whatever. They run less plays than everybody else, fewer plays than everybody else. They're very slow. So uh, those long drives where they don't score have a much larger impact on their overall score than they would on a team like the Bills, which runs quite quickly and scores a lot of points. Um, so it's the, the, the Packers have gained a ton of yards where they didn't score points where most other teams would have. And EPA sees that because it punishes them for not scoring the points, but DVOA does not. It rewards them for generating the yards and sees that as an artifact of luck. All right. Price Trozen says, since last week you broached the subject of draft picks, let's look to possible free agents with Aaron Jones maybe looking like a cap casualty. Can I interest you in a slightly used Jamal Williams? Uh, <laughs> slaps hood. <laughs> yes, sir. May, may have some miles on him, but still a good runner. You can fit a two-year deal in this baby. Sure, but there's no reason to pay for a running back um, next year. That they I mean, you might want a guy who's familiar with the system and a good blocker and a good citizen, which Jamal Williams is. Wouldn't say no to it, like having on the team. Uh, fun guy. Uh, has been good for Detroit as well. But, like, don't spend capital. Uh, you need to save capital. Their their cap space is going to be really, really hard. Um, they have rookies that they like already. They can always bring Patrick Taylor back for a song if they need to. Callan Hill will be coming off of the, whatever, injury lists shortly yeah, as well. Yeah, under the 53. Yeah, this week. Uh, they're they're pretty good at grabbing guys late, so um, I, I wouldn't say no to it, but um, it is not something I'm super interested in. Yeah, I feel like AJ Dillon, Kylan Hill, your running backs next yep. year, and maybe a rookie gets thrown in there too. Rookie running backs that happens, that happens all the time. It does. All right, Scarf Twenty One. What are your thoughts about Lafleur being adamant about keeping Barry around? It seems like this team has a long history of refusing to make changes until it's too late, and it boggles my mind as to why this team chooses to shackle itself with its own stubbornness. I think it's because Matt LaFleur doesn't know enough about defense to like babysit and 
right he wants to have the experienced guy in yeah <sighs> there's also nobody changes defensive coordinators mid-season um no. it just it almost never happens they I, should well yeah but who are you gonna get um that's the other thing wade like, phillips is sitting on his couch i don't think wade's interested in it. i think he got wade's, a job though yeah. didn't he wait didn't wade phillips get a job somewhere yeah, yeah. with the xfl he's gonna be a head coach i think yeah um what about vic fangio what's he doing uh, something what about mike zimmer mike zimmer's not doing dick I think we maybe a little bit underestimate how much coordination it takes to midseason come arrive on an NFL football team and try to implement whatever it is you want to implement defensively. I feel like that's a two to three week process at the most generous. And by then, if you're already desperate enough to be trading out your defensive coordinator, you don't have that time. Yeah. And to be clear, I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. Like if you brought in Fangio, it'd essentially be the same system if he's available, which maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But NFL teams are super conservative about this. Like, yeah, they're just it's not going to happen, even though it probably should. <laughs> Keith Keskinen, I am of the opinion that between 2018 and 2022, Goody's worst decision as GM wasn't the Jordan Love pick, any of his third rounders, or even the extension to Bakhtiari. It was the extension of Rodgers. Rodgers had two seasons remaining on his contract when he was extended. While an extension did provide cap relief for 2022, he still it's that still could have been achieved in some fashion through restructuring or simply trading him and capitalizing on his back-to-back MVP value. Is Goody's biggest flaw a lack of foresight? Didn't see Aaron Rodgers still had MVP seasons when he drafted Love and didn't see his looming downfall when he extended him. It's always better to move on too early than too late. Thoughts? Uh, so I wrote this at the time, and so yes, but... Nobody does this. That's the thing. Uh, you have your MVP quarterback who won, who was awesome quite a few times, uh, although you would maybe still have had him, although Aaron gets grumpy when he's not taken care of, so maybe not. Um, but I, I kind of do agree with that. Here, here's Aaron's, and this is his age 39 season, and uh, he's not 39 yet. He will be later. There are no good quarterbacks after 39. Uh, Tom Brady, notwithstanding, there's like five of them. So. Um, I would have bailed before he hit this age personally, and yes, but 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 it's not really a mistake because sometimes all-time greats age gracefully. You have a chance to win a Super Bowl at the whole time you have them, and nobody bails early on them. Like even like Peyton Manning, his arm was kind of getting shot by the time that happened. Like he was clearly not Peyton Manning anymore when he went to the Broncos. Aaron Rodgers was still playing at a very high level. He had not entered his decline. You got to ride it out. I, I don't think it's a big mistake. I think it is a, a defensible contract that they gave him. It would have been a, a very radical thing to not do it, even though, you know, um, sometimes I like them to do radical things, but nobody really does those things. So it's fine. This is, in essence, the opposite of what David Stearns did with the Brewers. He traded Josh Hader, a player who was very popular and very successful, who had just maybe <laughs> starting to decline. Yep. And uh, traded him and and things went south and he's being vilified for it. And it might be one of the first lines on his career obituary, even though he had a ton, a ton of success as Brewers general manager. Now, I don't think it really will be the first thing people think of him, but I, I could be wrong, honestly. And you trade Aaron Rodgers and it goes backwards on you. That will completely shape everything anyone knows about Brian Gutekunst is he's the guy Dude. who traded a two-time MVP and it blew up in his face. Yeah, and whatever, man. it's easy for us to say that, but, like, that's something you have to consider. You that's do. why That's why Ted Thompson is the goddamn best. He had the sand in his pants yes. to do yeah. that. Yeah. Because he's a psychopath. I mean, to be clear, Ted Thompson doesn't think like anybody else. No, he doesn't. That's part of why he had the the... the I mean, a little bit of luck, let's be honest, but also the shit spot. I mean, it almost blew up in their face. It almost happened. It was very close to happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it could have gone the other way if Brett Favre had led the Vikings to the, the Super, Super Bowl. Bowl right? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so 
it's just it, it's it's very easy to look at that analytically and say that they maybe should have done something different. But how do you say no to a two-time MVP when you? I mean, you know, bites of the apple is the thing that David Stearns has been has been made fun of for that he was thinking holistically. He was thinking for several years ahead. Well, they're thinking about 2022 because this is the this is when mm. they've got an, enough that they think in the tank for a Super Bowl. It hasn't worked out, but I so don't know. and and it also kind of comes back to this front office is very good at making money. And this could also be Mark Murphy pulling rank in that retaining Aaron Rodgers makes more money than moving on to Jordan Love. I mean, could be, but could be, but it's probably but like more you have to acknowledge Aaron Rodgers is a better option than Jordan Love. Like it could be wrong, yep. but in, I don't in, know. In, what's the, all right. We're very, we're very long. We have to knock out several more questions. Let's, Oh my uh, God. There's so many more questions. Let's lightning around this puppy. And I was going to make possible. a Play-Doh reference. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> PJ Wessels, how does TJ Hawkinson affect the upcoming game? What are your initial thoughts on the trade? Also, Hall of Fame inductions of Sitton and Nelson make sense. Is there anyone missing from the Packers Hall of Fame that should Nick be? Barnett. Well, Nick <laughs> Barnett wants to be in. I he does. See. He does. Hey, I thought, I, like, up until today, I thought he was in. Huh. No. I did not. Um, yeah, I don't know. They they usually there's always it's it's all the guys that you think should be in are almost always in. There's a couple that kind of linger on that you're surprised about, like maybe a Nick Barnett. But for the most part, all the all the big hitters are all in. Yeah. What about Dad? Oh yeah, Dad Brazier, who I wrote about, a, a guy who had a hand in creating the G logo. Still think that's at least a, a, a case that's up for debate. You know, like he's got a pretty cool place in in Packers history, but there are other guys that you might want to consider before him, like trainers and stuff. I mean, he is at the end of the day, an equipment manager who was there for two decades, a lot of guys who've been there longer. So it's, it's hard. It's hard to say. Hawkinson uh, um, will not hurt the lions too terribly much. Uh, they still have good offensive weapons and offense isn't their problem. Anyway, it was, I think a smart trade for them. When we get back to the Vikings, uh, Irv Smith was having one of the worst tight end seasons of all time, and they do rely on their tight ends quite a bit, uh, especially to sort of free up space in the middle of the field for Dalvin Cook running. So I think they would, it's actually a good trade. It'll help both teams and um, won't really hurt them against the Lions against Packers, but will help the Vikings later on this year. Yako Gomak says, just focusing on the defense and our current starters, who do you think deserves more blame for how individual players and position groups are performing, the players or the coaches? I'm curious about the idea that poor performance on the field, especially regression and lack of development, should actually be pinned on the coaching staff. Given how talented this defense was projected to be, can we put it on the position coaches? Or would you say we overestimated how good the squad was? Setting aside big picture questions about Barry and his scheme, are the coaches or players not doing enough? Coaches. I think this is mostly on the coaches. It just... To have this level of uh, breakdown between like what they're graded on on a week to week basis and the effectiveness of the team uh, versus the run and against the pass, like they had a ton of pressure on Josh Allen in this game. It seemed to do nothing. Um, they played good pass defense, which should be enough for a good defensive performance, but they just fail at something else. Um, other teams with people of the caliber of Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith generate much more terrifying, much more effective pressure. Um, other teams with the caliber of cornerbacks that we have here are, are much better at being dynamic, um, game-changing defenses. We ranked 22nd in DVOA. We did the same last year under Joe Barry. Um, this seems to be a recurring problem for this Packer team. I think, I think this is mostly on the coaches. Uh, players are often playing quite well, and it's not mattering because something else is always breaking. Dr. Hillbilly acknowledges that this is kind of a joke, but he's asking if for sure any of these any of these pairings are working cooperatively and effectively together. Rank the problematic team relationships using the metric of your choice. Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur, 
Joe Barry and Matt LaFleur, Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst, or Darnell Savage and tackling? <laughs> oh, that's a hard question to. Okay, so number one, Darnell Savage and tackling. <laughs> Because it's so easy to see on tape. It Number is. one with a bullet. Yeah. Number two is actually uh, not listed. It's Joe Barry in reality. <laughs> uh, and then everyone else after that is just tertiary. Like Joe Barry and Matt LaFleur have kind of uh, like a sex pistols thing going on here where it's uh, uh, they seem to like each other, but it's not good for anybody else around them if that checks out. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'll go with that. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really old reference that's a really good reference i love it yeah. i love it it's uh it's toxic eric haincheck will the packers finish with a worse record than the bears yes yes i think it's going to be the same record <laughs> uh you're either a smart fella or a fart smeller do your best to dissect the overall strategy gutenkust is going for here because it sort of feels like the packers are kind of just rudderless if you aren't going to buy the deadline to try to salvage a competitive season they should have tried to sell right i guess if you're i guess if you're throwing that extension at rogers to keep him around that kind of implicitly throws the, it kind of implicitly throws the team into win now mode but now they're just acting not any further on it i feel like the packers would be best served to either further try and compete and hope for the best or blow it up and try to rebuild faster am i wrong to fear that occupying this middle ground will just produce the worst elements of both options is goody a smart fella or a fart smeller right now I, I feel like not buying if you're all in is a mistake. Um, yep. And it, you know, you need a trading partner to actually do that. And uh, if we believe they were close, you know, they got outbid, so be it. Maybe there was just nobody to buy that they could reasonably get, but it's not great. Um, you know, uh, middle ground is not a good place to be. You lose guys for free, um, especially with their salary cap structure. That's not as good as getting something for them. Hard decisions are hard to make, but. I feel like they should have gone harder if they, I mean, if the receivers are a problem, if that's what Aaron and the coaches are seeing, go get one. <laughs> if you, if you can't do something else, get a run stuffer. I don't know. It, it's not great. And did you guys see the, uh, Brandon cooks? Yes. The, the enemy speaks softly. <laughs> good wide receiver tweet. Well, the done, meme is so cooks. good. Uh, Danny Noonan, our, our favorite patron, who's going to have more losses this season, the Packers or the Bucks? <laughs> Milwaukee Bucks is who he's referring to. Uh, Danny was in my mentions the other day saying that I should get into basketball because the Bucks are good. Um, yes, the Bucks are good. They're yes. going to be resting their players at quite quite a, many junctures this season. They will be in the playoffs, and it will be without any question. So they will lose uh, certainly more than twenty games. But um, I did look up to see that the year when Giannis was a rookie. If if they're fifteen, uh, they're fifteen wins. If somehow, like how close the Packers were, and I think they were a 13-win team that year. Uh, it was either 12 or 13. It might have been 12, actually. So, so like three wins separated the Packers and the Bucks that season. That that you know, it doesn't quite the, the Bucks season straddles two years, so it doesn't quite match up perfectly. But uh, but I, I did enjoy that. Um, okay, I don't know if we have time for. Uh, we'll mention Jonathan Deal. Is complacency? These are Twitter questions. Is complacency the worst option the Packers could have chosen? Kind of like the last question, uh, the last non-Danny yes. question. So yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, from Kyle Kaysner, Packers are 26 in the NFL in points per game, but the offense is eighth in DBOA. We talked about that. Yep. So yeah, we did. We so that. yeah, okay. I think we're good. I think we're good, man. Yeah. All right. Uh, neat, neat, tidy little show. Um, as per usual. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna keep it short this week. No, uh, no, we're not. No, we're not. All right. Anyway, before we go, Jr. Any any quick plug. I did take a look at all the years that the Packers have been bad in the past 30 years. They're easy to forget about these. Uh, the sort of like. 
down years, the non-playoff years, there is a stretch. I'm sure people know this, but maybe don't appreciate it. There was a three-year stretch in four out of four years, you know, in the early McCarthy era and uh, and late Mike Sherman, where they did not go to the playoffs. So, um, you know, they've been down before, kind of looked at each year and why it was so bad. It's so funny. I wrote the sentence, the special teams were atrocious. I wrote that sentence like four or five times. Yep. It is a, definitely a recurring theme. It in, is. In title down. Um, so that was fun. Uh, and, and other than that, not, uh, not nothing special. We're, we're doing the Bucks podcast that drops every Tuesday. We're obviously proclaiming that they're going to go undefeated this season because oh, they're yeah. six and oh, I do think they take a loss Wednesday night against Detroit first of the year, <clears throat> the second straight game against the Pistons. But uh, who knows? This Bucks team is they're sensational. They're they really are. good. And they're not even at full strength. They're going to be really special. They're so fun. They're great. All right, Matt, how about you? Going to start watching I... basketball. Anything else? I will not start watching basketball. Um, everybody go support my friend, uh, Paul Gerke. Okay. Paul Gerke is a, uh, a news correspondent who I went to high school with who recently got fired from his job for some culture controversial reasons. Uh, go check out Paul Gerke. Check out his timeline. Tell him I said hi. All right. Well, now I'm fascinated, actually. Yeah. Paul's just marking down a possible place to edit here. Oh, come <laughs> on, man. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. Um, all right. Uh, as for me, my Shepherd recap is up right now. You can go check that out. And I'll be writing on the Packers and their third down struggles and potential regression to the mean later on as well. So um, keep an eye out for that later. Minipod will be later this week, likely on Friday, previewing the Lions and what could possibly go wrong here, which is a surprisingly high number of things. But uh, hopefully this is the turning point of the season. So. Um, well, I'll talk to you then. Enjoy the game. Googling derealization, hating what you find. That on a pair in summer air in early fall. The quiet comprehending of the ending of it all. There it is again. That funny feeling, that funny feeling.